Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. All right, my friends, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are rejoined by our great friend, Christopher Day, who is the CEO and founder of Demand Jump. If you want to listen to the background, the origin story of how he started his company, how they grew it to be uh, the fast-growing machine that it is today, well, you can go back to episode 94 on our podcast, and you will get to hear an amazing conversation where we learn more about him, about the company, about the truly, and I mean this sincerely, the truly unique things that they are doing as a marketing agency for businesses and the incredible results that they are getting. So the world that they play in is really helping analyze data and helping people understand how to make the most, from what I can tell, of their marketing efforts. Whether it's understanding what are their customers doing when they see the content, what are competitors doing, and what can they do to optimize their approach. And they are truly doing some unique, innovative, and certainly result-oriented work out in the world. So I'm excited to have him back on. You're going to enjoy this conversation. And Christopher, welcome. Thank you for being here today, my friend. Absolutely, Drew. Thanks for having me again. And great to see you and, and excited about the discussion today. Yeah. So last time we talked to you, uh, between now, I know there's been some exciting updates. You were telling me a little bit about it before we got uh, going here, but just if you wouldn't mind high level, what are a few of the things that you guys have, have cracked the code on that you're, you're really excited about right now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, number one, quick clarification, we're not actually a marketing agency. We we actually power a lot of marketing agencies are our customers yes. um, that use our platform. So high level or marketing strategy platform, um, or you could think of as buyer intent platform. So one of the big things that's happened since we talked last that we discovered was um, you can basically enter any top, not basically, you can enter any topic in the platform today. It could be running shoes or calculators, cell phones, doesn't matter, but customer success software, CRM, whatever it is, the product or service that you sell in five minutes, it maps out the entire world and tells the marketer exactly how to align to buyer intent. So use case number one would be um, I enter in the topic and I can see all the most powerful and relevant questions ranked in order that I should write content on. I click another button and I get the automated content brief with all of the H1, H2 tags already determined, the keywords I should include in each paragraph, all of that scientific, hard to do research work, all done in a matter of five and a half minutes. I hand that off to my content writer, whether it's in-house or out of house, they write the content, I publish it, and my first page rankings go up exponentially. Wow. We spend on average, um, our customers are seeing a 10x increase in qualified traffic. And then not only in qualified traffic inbound, uh, but then the resulting sales leads, we see on average 6x increase in sales leads. And we also, because now the search engines and the social tools know that you're hyper aligned and relevant to your target buyer, that buyer intent. So now when you do your paid search or your paid ads or paid media, you get charged less. And we're seeing a decrease in cost per lead across our customers by 3x. It is insane. Wow. Now, can you tell me uh, when you say buyer intent, what, what, do, what do you mean there? Yep. So you and I as people, right? So let me back up to a high level. So search engines and social tools were built for you and I as an individual, right? As a consumer. And we use consumer, customer, buyer. They're all the same thing. It's people. So they were built for people 
to find products and services and information. They were not built for products, services, and information to find the people. Uh. So buyers and sellers are trying to get match made. They're trying to find each other. But neither one is in charge of getting found. A third party is in charge of that. So to be found and be more to, to be found more often throughout that journey, you have to know what questions you should be answering, what keywords you should be including in that content, in specific paragraphs, answering specific questions, because then the search engines know that you're super relevant to answering whatever this consumer or this person's pain is or question is. Uh-huh. Your likelihood of showing up on the first page increases exponentially, and you will stay there as well because they all want to give you and I individually a great experience. And so yeah. they're only going to serve who they believe is most robustly going to answer that question. Now, does the 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 software and the platform that you use, does it support multiple platforms in terms of like YouTube, Instagram, that kind of thing? Or is it more just focused to the web and, and search engines? Yep. No, it, su- it supports many of those things. So um, search engines, social, you can plug in your, uh, so we can do all, all the stuff I just mentioned, we can do without anybody plugging anything in. Mm. Once our customers get started, they typically will plug in, you know, their Google products, right? Or they'll plug in their uh, marketing automation system. So, you know, Salesforce, HubSpot, Marketo, Eloqua, whatever it may be that they're using, they'll plug all those other tools in, which also enables, uh, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. <clears throat> and then it also enables by doing that, we can then measure if you're writing a piece of content, we know if that piece of content actually drove quantifiable closed one revenue. Wow. Or not. Wow. Even the organic search terms, if you're running in other things, but anyway, I'll keep it just to these topics we're talking about now, but then we can close that loop once and for all between sales and marketing. And it's just, uh, you know, demand jump. We've gone from 3000 to 70,000 monthly visitors. Mm. Our, our sales leads have actually gone up by more than six X. Um, our cost per lead has decreased by 4x, right? And we're getting customers every week at this point. So wow. almost every day. So I love it. Uh, it's super exciting. Well, if you're listening right now and you haven't heard our first interview, please go back and listen to it because you'll get to hear so much more around the brilliance of this of this company and this product. It's it's really, really, really cool. Uh, so I just wanted to give an update because I knew some exciting stuff had happened to continue your mission uh, and to help you serve your customers, which is amazing. So today, uh, we really wanted to do a dive, a deep dive with you about you. Uh, most or a lot of the people listening here are founders themselves, uh, or they're just individuals on some some version of an entrepreneurial journey. And we all have uh, lessons to learn. We all have ways that we could capitalize more on our strengths, or maybe we can mitigate certain weaknesses, or we've learned certain things about ourselves to enjoy our life better and also be more effective. And so we've been taking kind of a deep dive with our round two guests about their personality. One of the ways I'd like to start this would be imagine if, and maybe this is a reality, but imagine you're bringing somebody on your team that's going to work very closely with you. So they're not you know, far down beneath you and you're not going to have a lot of interaction with them, but you're going to lean on them. They're going to need to lean on you some. What would you write up as almost a cheat sheet on knowing how to work with you well? Based on you getting to know yourself, what kind of things would you communicate to that person you need to know about working with Christopher? Um, anticipate what I'm going to ask next or what we might want to do next. I'm going to give you, this is, this might be a little cheesy story, but I'm going to share this story because it's like, um, I just love it for the simplification 
of it. So out of college, I was working for a company and they were deploying a thing called TQM, total quality management. And I don't know if it even exists today, but you know, it's the six Sigma type stuff. Right. And so we're going through a multi-day training class. And one morning I'm sitting in my office, banging out some quick work. The instructor for that class came in, handed me a stack of papers and said, Hey, can you please make copies of this for everybody in the class today? And walked out the door. Well, I pick up the stack of paper and I think, I'm like, sure, absolutely happy to help. So I, I pick up the stack of paper. I take the copy machine and I start making um, copies of this stack of paper. And so immediately, of course, you think to yourself, how many people are in the class? And then you always probably should have two extras because somebody else needs one. And then you collate it, right? So that when he hands it out, he can easily grab them or they're crossed back and forth, right? So he's not trying to figure out the break point. But then there was a step that I thought about when I was getting ready to put it back in my office to take into the room. I'm like, well, how are we going to handle these papers? Because we all have three ring binders we're working out of. And so I went and three hole punched each stack of paper for each person. Turns out that was a test. They wanted to know, would I three hole punch those papers for everybody? Interesting. So, so it's just a little example of anticipating, like when you get asked to do something, if we're going to work closely together, please don't, I don't want yes people. Mm. I, I want people that are going to challenge thoughts to get to a better outcome, or they're going to anticipate what we might need next that we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Do you think that's a, is that more of a personality trait that someone has or doesn't have, or is that something that you think can be developed and learned over time? Wow. That's a great question. You know, I, I think, um, and I think it's okay either way, right? Not everybody has to anticipate three steps, you know, ahead. Um, um, but I think probably people probably tend to have that skill set or, or not. Um, you know, if they, if they don't, could they learn some things to, 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 we have a saying like, you're my customer, right? So we serve each other internally, externally, everybody's everybody's customer, right? Um, so I, I think, could some of it be learned behavior? Yeah, probably. Um, but there's others that probably are, are, are you know, have a skill set that's more amenable to, to doing yeah. that. Yeah, that's my guess. You know, my, my uh, business partner, one of, one of my partners is very similar to that, where he talks about to him what communication and trust ideally would look like. He used to be a baseball player, and he said, it's being able to flick the ball over my shoulder and know that you're actually going to be there at second base to turn that double play, right? Yeah, that's and right. he's like, some people want me to look them in the eyes and say, hey, the ball's coming to you. Go stand at second base. And he's like, I want to know that we have a relationship where I already know you're going to be at second base. I'm going to throw the ball over my shoulder, trusting you're going to be there. And sometimes we're fr he's, he gets frustrated that that anticipation yeah. isn't there, right? That's a great analogy. I love that analogy. It, in, in sports, like if you're playing football or soccer, anticipate comes back into it. We got to anticipate an angle you should yes. take to yeah. be there when that event happens, right? Same yes. thing. And I think some of that comes with time. Like if I think about back when I played soccer, I had one guy in particular that I just played on high school as well as every travel team. We were on the same team together. And to this day, I just know without thinking about it, when he gives me the ball, where he's going to go. Or depending on what he's doing, where I would need to be. Yep. But then some other people, you just don't know their style yet. Yep. But in life, I do think it's probably personality style plus. I think you can learn to ask one more question. So if I think back on that example, what you did, you didn't just complete the task with your head down. You were already asking one more question, like, who's going to use this? 
Yep. What binder do they have? Yep. What might they need for this to be, you know, easiest to use? And I'm like, man, maybe we could build that in some just encouraging people. Like, maybe just ask one more question in your own head. What yep. might he need this morning? Or, you know, what else could I do to make this project successful? And, and maybe build in some anticipatory type thinking, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Well, how would you describe your leadership style? Um. So the, what the three types of leadership are, um, I forget the actual word. So there's authoritarian, there's laissez-faire and autocratic. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm autocratic. So I am um, meritocracy based. So I, I was a, for, for whatever reason in, in my life path, um, I feel like the people that I, I worked for or was, was around, they let me do what I was capable of doing. Mm. And so, you know, I was fighting way above my weight class early on right out of college. And part of it was I would, I did my actual job at night. I, I would mm. do it from five to midnight. And so I could walk in the office the next day and say to my boss, you know, not like, look what I did, look what I did, but it was like, Hey, so I've got these things done. And I was thinking about this and, and then, Hey, hey is there anything else I can take off your plate? So I would, so I'd show him that, you know, the core function of the things that had to get done, those were getting done. Right. In fact, I was maybe even ahead of the game a little bit. Mm. And hey, what else could I, is there something else I could take off your plate? Um, and just by kind of asking that question methodically, right? Every few days, right? And I, I never came in and like, look what I did, look what I did, right? But it was just, it, it, it was instilling a real sense of confidence in my boss that I was on top of what I was supposed to get done. And hey, I can take one more thing off your plate. Yeah. Um, How do you see that? So that's you as, that's you as, uh, an employee, right? And your style of work, how do you, how does that translate into your leadership? Like what you either expect of people or maybe even how you, how you choose to yeah. to set up the system in general for them to succeed. So, um, I mean, so, so I presume anybody that comes to work at demand jump, whether I interact with them on a daily basis or whether I interact with them, you know, on a daily basis, right. One of our C level people or, or, or VP levels that I work most closely with, um, I give them free reign in, in, in essence, right? I expect them. It's like, once you, once you cross a certain title level and a certain compensation level, I think of you as a full on absolute peer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, even with, even with our entry level people, I still think of them as peers, right? Cause they're my customers as well. Um, but, but I, you know, I do set vision, right. And mission and those types of things but we still do that collaboratively. I don't do it in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. um, but I give them free reign. I give them full respect until it's been deemed that that should be different, that that should be mm -hmm. otherwise. Uh, I, you know, there's a story several companies ago, and I think this is the ninth company I've been a part of, you know, founding or co-founding. And um, I mean, it was my second or third company. I can't remember exactly which one it was, what number, but anyway, there was a, a friend of mine called and said, Hey, I have this, um, this girl, she was, you know, recent college grad that is going down a path. She, her major's in biology and she was a manager of a restaurant. And he said, you know, she's realized that, you know, she wants to realign her career path and she wants to, to get into something that's more, you know, office type job. And he said, you know, you got, you got to talk to, you got to hire. And I said, I, I don't, I don't have anything right now. The only openings we have are customer service reps, which is the very entry point, right? And so she was making more money than a customer service rep was as a restaurant of a man, uh, a manager of a restaurant. 
And so he's like, I'd meet with her anyway. So we met and the short story is, I told her, here's the only opportunity we have. You're gonna have to go interview. Gonna, you have to go get it. I'll, I'll get you in line, right? I'll get you up front so you can get, get a shot on goal, but you have to win the job. And um, so long story short, she took a pretty big pay cut to take that job. And within two years, she became her boss's boss's boss. Wow. She ran our entire customer success group in that company. She was a complete rock star. And she was um, at the time, what, late twenties. And so of course that boss's boss came to me one day and said, Hey, I've got a problem with this. Right. I can't, she used to be an entry level person. Now <laughs> her, like that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. It doesn't make sense. And, and you might be, it might be best for you to go find another opportunity. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's a, I just, I love that's cool. Yeah. It's just great when, when people should be able to do whatever their skill set. Yeah. For, right. And hopefully if, if, if people aren't in a company that allows them that their leadership is not autocratic and, and, and enables a fosters an environment of, of collaboration. And I just heard a, a, a word yesterday on a, a call I was on that was called idea meritocracy. Hmm. A phrase that I heard idea meritocracy that really resonated with me. Yeah. Is the sentiment behind that, that the idea shouldn't matter where it came from or right. whose mouth it was is does the idea have merit or not? That's right. Every idea should be heard, should be listened to, should be thought through. That's cool. I really love that phrase. I'd never heard that before. Um, idea meritocracy. Yeah. I really like that. So this is f f terms I'm, I'm familiar with and I can kind of intuit stuff. That's not language I've used often in terms of leadership styles and whatever, but it sounds like you have a, you have a, a natural value for creating a place that the opportunity should be shared by all in a sense, equal opportunity. Like, Hey man, yeah, I'll give you a shot at the goal. But then from that point on, the fairest thing is it's based off of your effort and your results and right. nothing else should get in the way ideally. Right. That's right. That's right. awesome. That's hundred percent right. What's the hardest part about instituting a culture like that? Um, you know, I think humans, <clears throat> so I think humans are naturally hesitant to be vulnerable. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, the dumbest question always is the question that's never asked, right? That's the worst <laughs> question in the world is the one that's never asked in the room. And I think what humans, humans have a lot of thoughts when they're in settings and interacting with people. And when they have those thoughts, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm probably the only one that's thinking that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so to truly showing them that, um, I hope you can't hear that background noise. I apologize. They're, oh, you're they're, good. Okay. Um, I think humans naturally believe and, and have a fear of like failure, right? I have a fear of failure at some level, right? Um, and, and they don't want to look dumb. Right. And they don't want to put them in a position of, oh, gosh, you know, Johnny or Janie, you know, that was dumb. Uh, and truly understand that this, that this is a safe environment. Right. Like we want those ideas because even if something didn't land as an idea, it might trigger another thought for another idea that's that's better yet. Right. Yeah. And so we post on our walls. Right. Be bold, be transparent and, and be purposeful. Um, we, we have these sayings that we use that we repeat them often. Right. And I get vulnerable personally to show yeah. them it's okay to be vulnerable. Like our, 
Our core tenants are think customer first, serve each other, compete to win, see things differently and do the right thing always. And so if, if I can be vulnerable um, in, in situations, sometimes I'm purposely vulnerable, even personally with my personal life, I might say something Yeah. to show and illustrate it's okay. And why is vulnerability coming to your mind right now in the challenge of instituting a, a culture like this? Is it because to live in a more merit- meritocratic, I guess, uh, culture, you have to be vulnerable enough to try? You have to be vulnerable enough to share your idea and, and, and get actual feedback on how you're doing? Is that, is that why you think that's coming to mind? Well, I, you know, I think at some level, you know, we went through a big transformation with, with Demand Jump as we figured out these groundbreaking capabilities. Um, you know, one thing that became apparent to me uh, going back a number of years, going back in the 2017 timeframe was for what we're doing in the market we're serving, the go-to-market strategy should absolutely be this new concept that we knew back then called PLG, product-led growth. But it was very new, right? It really come to light in 2016. There's only a couple of companies that were doing it, literally like a couple of companies. Well, what's PLG? The whole idea of PLG is high value, low cost, get started fast. Hmm. It doesn't mean that you don't have large enterprise customers. It just means that your strategy and our strategy, go to market strategy today is a hybrid approach where it's, it's PLG overlaid with the sales team. And that's, that is a process out there and it's called a hybrid approach. And it, it was very um, apparent to me that that is the direction we had to go as a company. Well, approaching the board with that is a pretty scary proposition. Mm. And I'll just say there are some discussions about that over a period of time. What would the old way, if that was kind of a new way emerging, how would you describe what the old way was that that idea is running up against? Yeah, the old way would be as a startup company, you're trying to walk into Fortune 250 companies and say, I have this awesome new platform that's much better than this old legacy crap out there. And I want a three-year contract paid up front, or at least a one-year paid up front, and it's going to cost you $500,000. I got you. Okay. Right. Versus, hey, we've got this great thing. We're going to start you off with this content piece. And you can get started for a thousand bucks and we're gonna offer you this awesome value for this low cost. And then people go execute on that and they see whoop, right. They see results yep. like that. And now they're like, and we have stories right now happening where people started off for a few thousand bucks and they're growing to 400,000. Wow. But the risk is, well, you're going after all these customers at only a thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So that's, it, changes that's, your, it changes your entire team makeup, right? How, your sales team, your marketing team, right? It changes everything, your product team. Um, they're, they're, it changes everything, right? So the, the people who are executing across those departments, it, tra- it changes your customer success team. It changes mm-hmm. everything. Um, and, and so, you know, that's a, that's a big transition to do if you're already kind of two or three years into a business or a platform and you're like, you know what, for the ultimate best outcome here, we need to shift the go-to-market strategy, which means you got to replatform. Yeah. Which means you have to enable, right, these modules, right to happen etc and that's a that's a really hard that's a really hard shift what led you to to thinking that was what you needed to to change were you seeing uh sl- like a lack of results and and trying the old way feel like it, it just there wasn't a future for that like what started to make you think we need to shake this up two things one is um when we would walk into potential customers and we'd say hey we got this platform and it does these six things the the person we're talking to is like oh gosh i have to go get 12 people involved in this deal to talk about this. Right. Yeah. And now you're talking about months, if not over a year of a sales cycle. Right. So very expensive, 
very slow to close those prospects to customers. We did have success, but it's, it's of course, it's lumpy, right? And as opposed to walking that door and that person's over a specific domain and saying, I can make your life a ton easier. And they have the authority to make a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollar decision to get started. It's a no brainer, right? Yeah. And you get started and, and you move on. So, so we saw a lot of customers getting bogged down into, I've got to go get 12 people involved in the decision-making process. The second thing, and, I, and I'm just going to use Brad Rencher, who, who used to be an amateur. He was like the number three guy at amateur. Adobe bought amateur, right? And then he became, the, I think it was the GM for the, the creative cloud at, at Adobe. And he 10X'd their revenue in 10 years. He was in Indianapolis a couple of years ago. And his assessment, I think, is spot on. If you, if you go back to the old days of, of ASPs, et cetera, used to deliver CDs to your you know, home or to your business, you'd pop them in this server, this tower, and you'd run your software. Then this little company called Salesforce came along and said, you know, screw all that. You should stick all this stuff in this thing called the cloud, and it should be called software as a service. And now we have SaaS. That started 25 years ago. Okay. Oh. So now fast forward to, um, let's say, about five years ago. You have all these companies like the, the, the Microsofts and the Salesforce and SAPs and rattle them off. There's all these massive software companies and hardware companies, but they have their tentacles so deeply ingrained in these enterprise companies and the workflows and processes and procedures and the old adage of you never get fired for hiring IBM. So, so your, your new platform or product or tool might be a thousand times exponentially better. But it's going to disrupt all that. But you're going to disrupt all of that at one time. Never going to happen. Right. And so that's why Brad thinks PLG came about, product growth came about, because it's a very different conversation for me to walk in the door at a Fortune 250 company and say, hey, you, you said that this thing here is a problem. We have a tool that can fix that. And we can help you get started for back to the high value, low cost, right? Yeah. And help you get started. We're just going to solve this one thing. And you start working on that one thing. And they see great success. Now they want more of that one thing. Well, then they're like, well, hey, what does this other widget over here do in the platform? Well, this is what it does. And then they grab their peer and they say, hey, we should try this because I've had this success over here. Let's add this thing. And you add that thing. So that Brad's belief is that the reason PLG came about is because all these large behemoth companies are so deeply ingrained to uproot and disrupt those with the workflows that are established in those companies. It's just not going to happen efficiently. Mm -hmm. And I think he's right. I think he's spot on. Um, so those are the two big reasons. Yeah. Well, it takes courage, right? You mentioned how scary it was to <laughs> walk into your board and say, I think this is where we should go in this direction. Talk to me about that. How scary was it? Where did you get the courage from? What helped you navigate that conversation and stick to your guns? Um, the research that I had done. Um, I had done the research. I had looked at other companies that were in the space, maybe not doing the same thing as, as we were, right? But looking at what the, how those companies, what was their strategy and all the companies I could find that I thought were interesting and new and not necessarily competitive to us, but maybe they played in the same vertical, solving a different problem, or maybe they were in a different vertical. Um, but all of them were starting out with a PLG strategy from day one. Mm. All of them. All the great ones. And so... Yeah, it was scary. We are, I have, a, the board is awesome. I love our board. They're, they're They all have great skill sets um, in, in different areas. Right. But a lot of them did come from more enterprise, you know, 
the enterprise days. Um, and so it took some time and some discussions um, to work through that. And ultimately, after what? Was it, was it a, six months? Was it a week? Like, how long did it take before you felt like I've got the confidence of the board? It was a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, well, so full confidence is what is what you're, is, is how you're hearing that, right? That seeing yeah. the plan laid out, seeing the results start to come in, it probably took a few years before it was like, oh, good move. Yep. Was that hard? Was well, that hard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very hard because you're, you're, we, we changed our business. And so there's some of the stuff we used to do, we don't do anymore. And so there's some legacy customers that you have to be, you have to be okay with letting those people go. Right. Yeah. So we today, if, if a prospect is not super passionate about one of two things, then we're not going to work together. You either have to be super passionate about organic SEO content or super power, passionate about measuring your actions to see if they're working or not in terms of closed one revenue. So that's analytics attribution. Mm-hmm. If, if, if that's not really seriously important to you, then let's not work together. Right. And then we'll go work with our competitors. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, but like we have to be true to ourselves. Right. Cause I, I don't want, I don't want a customer to come on and not get value. Right. If yeah. they're doing some other thing in marketing that we don't touch. Right. Like, you know, um, there's all types of things you do in marketing that are, that are super highly relevant that we just don't do. Right. The other mm-hmm. companies do that we don't do. Um, and so alignment, you know, you, you want to make sure you're aligned because, you know, we're measured on, you know, growth rate and net dollar retention. Those are two of the biggest drivers. Yeah. Right? And so, um, so going through all of those things and, and we're, we're now through it, I, th- I think we're, we're through it as of kind of early to mid this year. Um, right. All the, the customers we have are super passionate about one of those two things and they all want to do more of it. Um, and now we have agencies coming to us that are using our platform to power their agency, right. To add value to their clients. All of it's coming together. The personnel we have um, are, are all great at PLG, PLG strategy, content, the analytical side, the data modeling, we have all of those people in place. Um, and then the customer success team to, to shore that up to, you know, to, to be the backstop for those customers, you know, on a weekly, monthly basis. Super cool. All right. With the, with the little bit of time we have left, I want to switch gears just a little bit and go, go back into Katana, taking a deep dive about you. So what would you say is the key or keys to getting the best out of yourself and getting the best out of yourself consistently? So honestly, it's, it's something that I haven't done in a year or two. I need to get back to it. Um, yeah, I hope I, I don't sound too artsy fartsy, maybe, or, or that's all good, I suppose, but meditating or yoga or, mm. or yoga, yoga Nidra, I used to do a thing called yoga Nidra, which is about relaxation. Yeah. Clearing your mind, focusing you know, on whatever that number one, most important thing is in your life at that moment. And it might be personal and it might be business. And you can go through these, these things that are five minutes long, 10 minutes long, sometimes an hour long. Um, I, I, I need to get back to it. Because what was, I, the, what was the effect that, that had on you when you were doing that regularly? Oh, the stuff you're focused on happens and it happens. I mean, it happens. It is amazing. Wow. A, is it because a, of the intense clarity and focus? Intense clarity, intense focus. Get rid of the noise. Other stuff is minutia. Focus on this one thing. 
right? Mm. It could be a relationship with your spouse. It could be a relationship with your child. It could be trying to raise capital. It could be, you know, getting some sprint over the goal line whatever it might be. It could yeah. be a, a thousand different things, but it, um, I think taking, taking bite-sized chunks of time to relax, breathe, think, clear your mind. Yeah. We, none of us do it enough. And we all, you know, a lot of people talk about physical exercise. Nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody. People forget, or a lot of times don't talk about mental exercise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think it's equally important to physical exercise. Yes. Oh, yeah. They all work together. And work. in some sense, it's also talking about recovery, yeah. right? So sometimes it's, you know, the basic formula for any kind of growth, whether it's muscular growth or business growth even any kind of growth is stress plus recovery yep. you have to adequately stress a muscle but then you have to give it recovery or it gets no gains it doesn't actually get stronger from it it just gets broken down yeah, right broken down exhausted yeah and so even for me i've started to reintroduce things like yoga for the mental benefit but also for my body yep. because i'm working out decently hard four to five days a week and yes sleeping is going to help me with that recovery and, and that kind of stuff but sometimes you also need physical activity like yoga that also repairs the body to some degree. Yep. And the mental benefit is the part that I'm most attracted to right now. And I want to try yoga nidra because I saw that one of my friends uh, and his wife, she's a, a teacher down the road. That's one of the versions of the classes she teaches. I never knew what it was, but I was like, that sounds really interesting. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to lean into that. When did you come across this? So it, it was a, um, it, it, it's a, a lady who's a friend of mine. I've known her for years and friends with her husband and she has a yoga studio. And so I, I and I only did stuff one-on-one because I was always too, too embarrassed to go like, you know, do a yoga class sure. with 20 other people and maybe I'm only male. Right. And um, yoga is hard, right? It is really freaking hard. Yes. And um, so we were doing some of these yoga sessions one-on-one and then she's, she's like, you know what? I think you need to try this yoga nidra she was getting into. And I, I, I very seldom did actual yoga after that. It was mostly yoga nidra. That's how I discovered it. It was, wow. and um, yeah, it was, it was just amazing. Amazing. Wow. So along that line, is there anything else that comes to mind that you've noticed uh, or maybe just now noticing as we're talking about it? Like this actually is, is key to me. Is it starting my day off the right way? Is it my relationships are all solid and that's not, you know, there's nothing weighing me down because a relationship is fractured or yeah. organization of priorities. Like what are some other things that just help really you get the best out of yourself? You know, I, I, I'm going to say a big one. And this is, this is, I've talked to friends about this and, and, and this is maybe a really hard one to, to accept, but surround your, yourself with people that have positive energy and who are, who push you up, right. Yeah. And that you in turn push them up. Um, and that don't engage in drama, that don't engage in gossip, that don't engage in constant complaining, that just drags everything down. And so, you know, sometimes you, you have to, to move those relationships that, that might qualify as, you know, good friends, but you're exhausted right? <laughs> at, at putting up with all the stuff. And, and maybe they have to move over to the, you know, acquaintance pool, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not, I hope that doesn't sound mean or whatever, but um, but surround yourself with positive energy and, and, and people who have passion about whatever I, you know, like I always talk about the, the guy that valleys cars in our buildings. He is an amazing human being. He is super passionate about valeting cars. Yeah. He, he's incredible. 
and he puts me in a great mood. If I'm in a bad mood and I pull up in, in there to park my car, he, I mean, I'm just instantly in a better mood because he's like, hey, Tove, good morning, right? I, yeah. He's just always positive, loves his job, does a great job at it. And like, I, I'm, I start thinking, how can I help him do something, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, that, it, it, it's that vortex of positivity that, man, when you can get that spinning around you, and, and you also give back to that positive energy with the positive energy, right? Yeah. It all feeds on itself and lifts everybody up. I, I think, I, I think our society right now is mentally exhausted with what's going on. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really hard to, I think for a lot of people to, to separate and, and, and rise above because it, there's just a constant pummeling of, of negative energy. Um, and I think I, you know, anybody that listens to this, I, I, I try to do this, but, um, you know, people who want to just grovel in the, and, 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 and just constantly complaining and hollering and yelling at people and saying how bad somebody is for one thing or the other. What? Do that over there. Push them to the side. Yeah. Um, it's just not productive for your personal life. It's not productive for your professional life. Yeah. It, it provides an absolute imbalance, um, of health and, um, and, and we, we need to find the, the positive thinkers, the positive energy people, Let's let's band together more and right. Positivity breeds positivity. Come on. Amen. I want to. It's so funny that you mentioned that because the the couple that my wife and I are friends with that I'm thinking of that teaches yoga. Uh, that's been more recent. So in the last year, she got certified in that and started teaching. And my wife goes to her class all the time and loves it. But back three or four years ago, they had gotten to the end of a year and we're just checking in with each other and like, man, how are you doing? How are you doing? And both were like not good. Like, I just feel drained. I feel stressed. I feel burnt out there. Even relationship was feeling strained and not good and all that kind of stuff. And so they're like, what's the deal? Like, let's try to examine, like what's going on. And the way that they described it, I love to use the word vortex. They use the word swirl. And yeah. they said, we have too many negative swirls in our life. Yes. And, and, and I was like, what do you mean by that? And they said, we started looking at all these relationships whether it be family or friends or neighbors or whatever yeah. that are really close to us that are all drama filled. Yeah. And we're realizing we keep getting sucked up into these swirls and now our life feels like dramatic and whatever. Yeah. We're like losing ourselves in these swirls. So they made a commitment. I, I'll never forget this. They're like, we made a commitment for this year to eliminate all possible swirls. And they said, there's a few swirls we can't do anything about. Like, I'm not going to eliminate my relationship with our in-laws, but we got to manage that differently. Yes. But everything else, we got to push, like you said, maybe it goes to acquaintance. Maybe it goes to, I see you once a year instead of once a month. And, and I mean, again, they were like a different couple. They were a different person on the other side because yeah. what ended up that time and that space got occupied by positive swirls. Yep. And, and it's like, wow, it's contagious, right? Yeah. It's, it's really hard to do. Right. And you have to be comfortable with it. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. If you're, if you kind of, you know, change the trajectory of some relationships. It, yeah. It, and and I, hard to say, but even if it's family, right. Yeah. yeah you, you can't like family is critical. At the end of the day, it's, it's critical. Right. But if that family's dragging you down, then it's gotta be some boundaries. You gotta be some boundaries. Right. Yes. You, you just don't engage. Right. And yes. Whenever I used to not go on a lot of our, when I was in my twenties, I didn't go on these kind of all family vacations because I knew they would, you know, not go well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love my family. Right. I love yeah. them. They're, they're, they're awesome. Um, and th that was back then and yeah. different now, but, um, but you know, just, 
dynamics at the time were just not good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, we had to go through some of that. I'll save too much of the personal stuff from being shared on the internet. Right. Uh, but we went through some of that with in-laws and things like that and uh, got some good, wise counsel from a counselor that was like, yeah, you, you can put boundaries up. Have you ever heard of those? And I was like, not really. I mean, I know the concept of it, but like, what do you mean? And it was so helpful and healthy for her to be like, you can say no to that. You can just say, no, we, we can't make that trip or no, we can't go to that. But what we could do, we'd love to have you over here sure. and A, B and C. And I was like, I started feeling some sense of control yeah. that like someone else's dysfunction doesn't necessarily have to translate into my life. Right. I can still be in a relationship. I can still serve. I can still love them, but I can have some stuff stop at the door. Like that crazy is going to stay with you. Does that yeah. make sense? 100%, 100%. It was tough though. It was tough though. Yeah. Like, and she, she our, our counselor was, was wise. She said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And it did. The relationships kind of got a little bit worse and then eventually they got really a lot better. Um, so, so, so wise, man, Toph, thank you for your time. I've taken a lot out of this. You have reinforced my, uh, my resolve to get into yoga back again and to check out in particular yoga Nidra. Cause she actually recommended that to me. She was like, you need to try this. I think your personality really like this. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try that out. Everyone listening, please go check out this company. Uh, where can they, where can they find you best? What would be the best way for someone listening to connect with you if they want to try out your services? Uh, go to demandjump.com and there's there's a place to start a free trial or fill out a form if you want uh, the white glove treatment on on a on a quick demo with your you know looking at your actual company. So yeah, um, yeah. All right, folks, do it. Chris, uh, Tof, thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Drew.